Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm so excited about this hour. We're going to be uh, joined in studio by Dr. Marcus Bachman as we continue our prayer series. And when Marcus was on about a month ago, the text line lit up because we were asking, do you pray with your spouse or significant other? And if you do, would you be willing to say yes? And if you don't, would you be willing to say yes? And we had uh, about 35 or so people that participated, and I would say the majority say that they do pray together, but it, the margin was not that different. And so Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are here for our prayer series. And uh, Peter, this is going to be another fascinating hour. Yeah, really glad to have Marcus back in because that really was an interesting survey. You sort of threw it out there. I don't want to say completely off the cuff, uh, and but but it was... It generated so much interest from the listeners in terms of just sharing their stories about how it was difficult at times to begin a prayer life with their spouse and, and what it took to move into some of these places of vulnerability, some of these places where it might be difficult to sort of show your cards, as it were, to your spouse as you're sharing some of the things that really matter. Because prayer, among the many things that it does, is it reveals the things that matter to us. And and we crack open in those ways. And that's easy to do, perhaps, when you're doing it on your own, whether you're driving in the car or as you're falling asleep at night. But to crack open to somebody even as close to you as your spouse with whom you're in this covenant relationship really does require quite a bit of vulnerability. And, and it, boy, the text line really lit up. And Marcus did a great job helping our listeners navigate how to grow in their prayer life together as a married couple, but it also broke it open for all of us, married, single, anybody involved in this life of prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Marcus Bachman is the president of Counseling Care. You can go to counselingcare.us, and he's been in the business of marriage and family, deals with depression, anxiety, anger management, and family of origin issues and all kinds of things. There's nothing he can't handle. He's <laughs> with us today. Dr. Marcus Bachman, welcome back. To the show, the big show. It's good to be back. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. 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 It's a good day. So now what do you want to talk about? (laughs) That is the first time in about five years I've heard you use that voice right there, Bill. That is a solid, that is a Marcus-only specific voice, is it not? Yeah, Yeah, indeed. I've got special voices for Marcus. I tell. It's brilliant. (laughs) And how many of those voices have been speaking to you today? Oh, several. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, but it did it did really uncover some interesting emotions for people when we asked, are you praying with your spouse? And so many said, we're starting tonight. So mm-hmm. what we want to do is continue that conversation, and we also would love to hear from you if you made uh, any progress in that department and you'd be willing to share it with us. Send me a text, 877-933-2484. We'd love to hear if you uh, did it and how it is going and how has it made a wonderful difference. Do you remember, Bill, the bar that was raised when the couple called in and said, you know, we not uh, we don't just hold hands, we hold each other. That was beautiful. And that's raising the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday I had on the program uh, Bob Moeller, who was talking about sharing the pain together. So if you had a childhood injury, 
you could hold each other and say, wasn't that traumatic when we experienced that? Mm. Almost putting mm. yourself in mm. the very same shoes of that person who went through it. Power of touch. Uh, yep. What an intimate uh, experience, especially when we think in terms of the power of prayer. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a very, uh, uh, there's not much that gets closer when we share our hearts. And, uh, you know, talk about cracking open a vulnerability. Uh, it just allows us to say, this is who I am. Uh, receive me, accept me, let's journey together. And uh, that draws us close. Yeah. So I'll wait to see what kind of response we get from couples. Another question I have for you, Marcus, is when I think of the two sides of a coin, on one side is your emotional needs, and on the other side might be your cognitive needs. I'm just making this up as I go along. So you're going to have to humor me if I'm not making any sense. But I think of the way our minds can dig up a lot of unwanted emotions, and then we get those in our head, and then we take those to God. And uh, how should we be approaching God with all these, you know, unwanted emotions in prayer? Well, honestly, he already knows what our emotions are, okay. what we're expressing, what we have inside of us. And since he knows and, and receives us, uh, of all people, he... we. He can receive, and he can understand, and uh, he's um, he's tender toward our emotions, particularly if there's been hurt and pain involved. I think that uh, when we talk about emotions and cognitive, that's probably the strongest approach that we have in uh, Christian counseling, because we can line up our thoughts. Is it according to God's way, word, principle in your life? And if it is, then then let's think and ponder on those things so that eventually uh, our emotions line up. Uh, otherwise, if we go with the emotions, uh, we are in trouble. Marcus, talk a little bit more about that idea of emotions lining up because I, I think of like an emotional reaction as the idea that I'm reacting in some way to something going on in the world around me. And I'm reacting before I even really try to think about how I'm reacting. I react before I try to put the governor on how I'm reacting. And so I think emotions tell us a little bit maybe about what's going on in our sort of hidden self, our, our attitudes, our values, our dispositions. And I just heard you say something to the effect of that those emotions maybe are shiftable, moldable as we bring these things to God, that that maybe is some of the invitation here. That's the good news. Uh, we start our day off in prayer. We're aligning ourselves up uh, with God's word and the fact that we are uh, receiving that which God has in store for us, including the cleansing of our mind, the purifying of uh, it's not about me. I'm not going to stay on my focus path because if every day I forget I need to start off my day in prayer, I need to turn over all these things, then then my emotions take over. Uh, my emotions of selfishness and anger and frustration because there's a lot of things that we are frustrated in in today's age. Uh, we We just have our emotions are strong. And I think that as we as we turn over ourselves, as we, as, as the word says, as we, as we really, as we die to ourselves and let him live, that is not just an, um, uh, a few words of interest. That's a real principal point. Is it me? Do I get to take over today or do I let him? And it is an incredible thing when we see Christ in someone else. Mm. 
and therefore the emotions follow. You know, it, it, with emotions as well, I'm sometimes mindful of the idea that we can kind of give them a bad rap, right? At the end of the day, mm. like you want to take emotions out of decisions or emotions are somehow unreliable on so many different levels. But again, what I'm hearing you say is that our emotions through the process of prayer can maybe become alignment or appropriate responses to what's going on mm. around us when they are aligned with the kingdom. I mean, if God at the, at the heartbeat of God is love, that's an emotion. So how would we possibly drive these things out of it, right? We just want our emotions to be in alignment with the kingdom exactly. rather than trying to drive them out of the kingdom. That's right. And, and if we consider the fact that, um, you know, if we go with a traditional approach that men are, are more um, dealing with the um, uh, more of the thoughts, the ideas, and, and uh, women have more of an emotional side, if that's true, uh, the balance of that in marriage, uh, we, can, we can, when we're thinking in terms of what's in the best interest of my son or daughter, well, you have two different perspectives, and one may come more with emotion, and one may come more with a bit of intellect or, or principles, and the com- a combination, and we all have both of those. I mean, let's face it, we're not just black and white, but coming together and therefore making decisions as a couple, for instance, powerful, mm. and uh, if I can say, wise. I already have a, a listener asking this question, Marcus, my wife refuses to pray with me because she doesn't trust me because 10 years ago I asked about something she prayed about for clarification. Okay, I'm supposed to answer that, right? Okay. Well, we can go to break if you want. <laughs> that'll, buy, that'll buy you 90 seconds. I'm praying for break. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, mean I, I just think that the idea, first of all, it sounds like if, if they're not able to pray about then they need to talk about this. And there's a lot to be talked about regarding trust. And, you know, I want to win over my spouse. Uh, and, and, and there's a whole lot probably to that backdrop of that couple mm-hmm. uh, that I'd, 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 I'd have to ask a thousand yeah, right. questions. Are you, are you uh, treating each other in a way that is loving and respectful? And are you pursuing and are you taking the time for each other? And, and if, if the homework is done that way, if, if the foundations are built strong, uh, I don't know that there'd be such a question about can we pray and uh, or can't we pray in, anymore. I think that you're chipping away at what has uh, caused that mistrust. Uh, you know, a nice person to be around is someone who I eventually can trust. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot that uh, probably is uh, can be spoken about with that situation. Yeah. Not that long ago, we asked the question, do you pray with your spouse? And we had so much response. We want to find out if you have proceeded to start praying with your spouse. And maybe you've got a story to tell. We'd love to hear it. 877-933-2484. Dr. Marcus Bachman is our guest. Uh, Dr. Peter Kapsner is in studio with me as well for the prayer series. And we're going to continue this in about 90 seconds. You can always go to counselingcare.us to learn more about Marcus and his amazing practice. We'll be right back. It's 5.17 already, but the 5 o'clock hour, we talk about prayer. 
We've been doing this, Dr. Peter Kapsner and I have been doing this for months and months, and we're loving it. We're going to keep doing this for a little while longer. Then yeah, it's been great. Pick a new topic, eventually, yeah, well, won't we? Eventually, yeah, but it sounds like we have quite a few people lined up in we the weeks ahead, too. Uh, amazing yeah, indeed, guests uh, indeed, coming up. Dr. Marcus Bachman is our guest today. We had him on for Prayer Series Part 1. It was such a big hit, we wanted him back. And we were talking about, do you pray with your spouse? Are you in a time of regular prayer? And so many of you said, I pray with my spouse. And so many of you said, I don't. And I would love to. So have you started? Uh, Are you willing to uh, send me a text and tell me how is it going? We'd love to uh, give a praise report to the Lord because you are now praying with your spouse. 877-933-2484. Is a conversation with God, is that an adequate description of prayer? Hmm. I think that's a polite way of saying it. Yeah. Sure. And then do you you hear from God? Oh, Marcus. Do, do I hear from God? Yes. Glad <laughs> <laughs> well, he directed that one towards you, Marcus. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Peter, why not? If you, you want to handle that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Peter, if you want to handle that softball. You know, okay. yeah, yeah, How yeah. about you, Bill? Let's <laughs> I think that it is a, it's a wonderful approach to saying it's a conversation because we often just come with our needs. It's over and over. It Please is. help me. Yes. And uh, it seems like we do most of the talking. And besides, you know, the reading of God's Word, I think it's really important for us to um, have some quiet. That's probably why it's called quiet time. Also, um, let me hear, God, what you're speaking to me about let me praise you. Let me honor you. Let me, uh, as uh, we, 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 you know, the, the famous acts, the adoration part of our prayer, and then just to be quiet in the, in the midst of our prayer. Mm. I think it's really important for us to be able to say, I just don't want to uh, fill up my whole time with just, uh, for certainly, we should be asking. Certainly, we should be praying and, and, and bring, bringing before those that are uh, in our life that are in need. But I also think it's it's really good to let it soak. It's hard not to be distracted, though, too, for yeah. many for many people, including yeah. me. Yeah, that's why I think the place that we have as the um, uh, the, the the movie of the uh, uh, the quiet room that uh, the prayer room that was upstairs for the uh, uh, woman who shared. Um, that's where I do my 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 real uh, work of battle. Okay. It's in a, and it's a, it's in a closet. The war room. The war room. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah, knew yeah. it was going to come. I knew it was going to come. And and I think that is letting the distractions uh, not be as strong in our life, mm-hmm. and allowing there to be just not only just the the um, the noise to stop, but the flickering lights. And you know, just as as I was speaking, I saw two crows behind your head there in the trees, and that's distracting. That's symbolic of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> really glad we weren't trying to read the signs there. So thank you, Bill. <laughs> you know, we should do a show on psychoanalysis. Right. And really want to start dealing with your head, uh, Bill. Definitely going to be googling I, crows during the break. Marcus, definitely going to Google the crows. Indeed. Okay. Go ahead, Bill. No, I. Peter, you asked something now because I'm. I am curious. It's tough to Was follow. Was that not distracting? No, yeah, it's tough to follow the carrion flying out the window there. But 
I'd be curious, you know, Marcus, as you're talking a little bit about this eliminating distraction, and we have had some guests from time to time talk about that over a lifetime of prayer, as they grow in prayer, they're able to discern maybe the small nudgings of the Spirit in their life versus perhaps the emotions of their life, the distractions of their life. I would assume that there's a way to sort of parse out that this, this seems to be, in my best shot, the voice of the Spirit speaking in my life right now versus maybe some of these other things. I assume that that's part of growing in prayer, right, is hearing the voice of our Good Shepherd and knowing which one that is. It's a beautiful thing to have the influence, the encouragement of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to Mm. walk alongside of us. And it is true that if we lead more of a disciplined life, then I think we're able to hear more of what the Spirit is speaking to us, the less distractions we have. Mm. It's, it's, if, if I am ready to pray in the morning, I try not to check my phone and look at what emails just came in overnight mm-hmm. because I'm starting to think right away. Mm-hmm. I, I got a lot to do today. I have way too much to do today. And what a distraction is that? versus being able to hear in the quietness. And again, I, I know there are people that say their quiet times are in the evenings or at noontime, and that's that's wonderful. But for me personally, uh, less distractions, and I'm able to hear the Spirit more clearly um, when I take away the distractions. When you're in the middle of counseling couples or a person, Marcus, too, is that another place in which you're not necessarily getting away, right? You're not going to the quiet room, yep. but but in the midst of it, I'm guessing that you don't always know for sure what's going on in that person's life, in that couple's life, and and you need to have discernment at those moments about, so which direction do I go with this conversation? What kind of questions do I ask? That's got to be another place that we can lean into God where then kind of the right, you you could probably go 50 different directions with a couple, but which is the direction that's going to bring the most promise of hope and healing? I've got to believe the discernment of the Spirit is part of that uh, process as well. That's a really good question, comment. I I am absolutely convinced that um, there is there is a uh, um, real value as a counselor to use the tools in your toolbox. Yeah. And part of that is watching the expressions. That's why the face masks are real tough for oh, me that. during COVID, and, and it's because some people you know prefer to use that. I can't see the whole face, hmm. but there are a lot of other indicators. But the best indicator is usually the week after when a client will come back and say, you know, Doctor Bachman. That question or that statement that you shared with me during the last session, and of course, I can't remember, and I'm thinking, oh, what did I say? I must be in trouble now again. But it is often they will say, that's, that's, been, that's been in my head over and over, and it was such an encouragement, or it was such a conviction, because both are true, a conviction does end up to be as powerful as necessary as a word of encouragement, which really ends up to be ultimately an encouragement in our life. Mm-hmm. But that's the, if I can say it, in, in, the, in, the, in the presence of, of, of having one-on-ones, which what a privilege, what a privilege it is to, you see, it's just you and I, or you and I in this, uh, you, and the other couple, I get to talk uh, and listen, and, sh- and and you get to share with me such an intimate part of your life, and I gently and carefully, and sometimes I give a nice little push um, into that person's life, which I f- believe is 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 because the Holy Spirit has instructed me mm-hmm. to give that to you, mm-hmm. Marcus. When you were doing counseling with couples, how many troubled marriages uh, consist of people who are mad at God? Oh, Mm. 
I, I another, that's another great question. That's, that is I another mean, great you question. said great question to Peter. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really hear it from me, so I'm just going to say it myself. Bill, that was a fantastic oh, thank you. question. Thank, yes. you, doc, yes. thank yes. you, Dr. Bachman. <laughs> Actually, Bill, that doesn't happen that often. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, typically they're not they're, they're not even aware or thinking that they're angry at God. Okay, mm, they're angry at their spouse. They're yeah. they're, they're, they're they're so focused on they don't have their needs met or they've been damaged or they've been wronged in some way that's the that's the issue uh they there certainly could be anger at god mm-hmm. but it's usually not at first and foremost in in the few sessions that we have together uh we, we open that up and uh certainly there's uh can be disappointment uh but typically it's more of the anger at the at the other human mm-hmm. Is it better to try to work through the anger with a couple before they start praying together? Or is is praying together a way to actually work through the anger that the couple might be experiencing? Well, I think I remember having us have a short discussion on this a uh, month ago. I I can't imagine being angry and praying. Hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that people uh, can't have some resentment and some hurt and, and some of that. I, I think that um, the more they talk... The more they 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 are able to, um, you know, what what is it that you're feeling? What is it, and why is it, and what 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 has caused this? Uh, usually releases the ability to. Um, I I don't want to stay here angry. I uh, the best counseling is for those that are motivated and saying, I I'm willing to take a look at myself. I'm willing to take um, inventory. I'm willing to take responsibility, and 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 the more that that is done, um, that then this whole uh, opportunity to release the anger and to work through it happens first and foremost. Uh, and then certainly we want to foundationally build up this couple with well, what about the intimacy of of prayer? What a good challenge. And I, that's why I so appreciate when we put it out there. Uh, you know, how many of you, uh, who among you, uh, pray together? So it was a great question. So um, it, was, it was a very interesting question, and I, I loved it. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, another minute here, so I don't know if we're going to get into another topic here. But I do want to invite listeners, and uh, maybe you heard Marcus when he was on a month ago, and we were talking about praying with your beloved. Do you pray? And if you don't, are you willing to start? And if you started and you've got a story to tell, would you please pass that on to us? Because we would love to uh, have a praise report. We would love to hear how God has moved in your life and in your relationship. And we want to encourage prayer uh, as much of, as we can during the prayer series. That's the whole point of it. <laughs> um, and just we've got uh, 30 seconds here. So, Marcus, I'll ask you a quick question. A lot of people are home alone with their thoughts right now, and they're finding it hard to uh, to pray. They're they're lonely and suffering. Well, so maybe we'll address that when we come back. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I I I think there is a a lot to be said about God knows our thoughts and He knows our emotions. Yeah. And for uh, for us to confess whether we're lonely, whether we're battling with the two top reasons why people come into counseling, depression, anxiety. Um, I think the confession of that is the start of healing in our lives. Cool. Mm. So, yeah, we'll uh, pick that up after the break. Yeah. Indeed. Dr. Marcus Bachman is our distinguished guest. You can go to counselingcare.us 
to learn about his practice. And, of course, he is available. You can Zoom him and meet with him across the Zoom lines. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back with lots more. Series, Dr. Peter Kafter and I always look forward to this hour. On Wednesdays, we're hosting uh, Dr. Marcus Bachman from CounselingCare.us, amazing uh, ministry, uh, reaching uh, people with their counseling needs, either couples or individuals, with any range of any issue. That's fair, Marcus. Did I say that well? You said that very well, Bill. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. All right, right before the break, I was asking about People, they get alone with their thoughts. People don't like getting alone with their thoughts. That's why they put elevator music in, so you don't have to be alone (laughs) with your thoughts in an elevator. So when you find yourself alone, isolated, and this year has been unlike any other time when we have less connection, Mm -hmm. you can start to think things in a very stressful, anxiety-filled way. So are you suggesting that people not put on backdrop music when they're at home? and no. I think they should. They should. Yeah, or at least put on my show in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course we know that between yeah. four and six. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I I, would think that there has a real significance about um, making sure, am I aware of what my thoughts are in my head? Uh, it, that's that's uh, a better question. I, 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 I just think, uh, what, what have I been, you know, Pondering. What have I been thinking about? What have I been focusing on? And uh, you know, it's incredibly important to to take inventory and to to have responsibility. Uh, if I've been uh, th- obsessive compulsive, is a thought that goes over and over. It can be an action or it can be a thought. And and most of us don't have the diagnosis of obsessive compulsive. But we can have some of the characteristics. And if we have negative thought patterns, if we often think about if only if my spouse were to meet my needs and we find ourselves to be uh, stuck there, it's really important for us to say those thoughts are taking us nowhere mm. but into a dark hole. And and the more we think about that or if it's a negative view of ourself, I made a mistake and I can't be forgiven and I'm a worthless person. Those kind of thoughts will bring us into such a dark hole that life isn't worth living anymore. So we do have a responsibility of asking ourselves, asking our spouse, asking our children, and for those that are close to us, what have you been uh, pondering? What have you been thinking about? What is it that you um, find yourself with your feelings and or your thoughts that are are not al- aligning with what God's plan is for you, and 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 it, it takes a strong and a brave person to ask those questions. We avoid those questions most of the time. Mm-hmm. How important is it to be honest about that, then, Marcus? Too, because I think we can play games of justification or pretend or sort of shooing away those thoughts from time to time. But I, I would assume honesty might 
is very important, but I would also think that it ties a little bit into what our picture of God is, right? That if we're thinking mm-hmm. God might be not for us, for example, when the scripture is very clear that God is actually for us. And, yeah. and if God is for us, it seems to actually invite the idea that we can be honest with our thoughts, that maybe God isn't fussed by what's going on. He's actually coming to help transform the thoughts and, and, and to bring wholeness into those thoughts. But I think a lot of people play games and pretend, right? Instead of being honest about this stuff, maybe that has to do with their picture of God. I think there's a lot of camouflage, a lot of pretending, and the ability to say, how are you? Great. Fine. Because, you know, <laughs> and we can even say that with some, you know, there, there's some uh, theatrics in us that can say that almost sounding so authentic mm-hmm. because we've trained ourselves. Nobody wants to hear and really know uh, when you're struggling. Mm. Uh, and the truth of that is that's a lie. Uh, if you have someone close to you, if you become friends with someone who's uh, a faith, they do want to know. They do want to understand. And if you're stuck with with a certain thought that you can't get over or can't remove from your life, then, yeah, maybe you'll need to get some help for that. But the fact is, I'm interested as a Christian brother or sister in your life. We need that. We, we desire to have that authentic uh, care, concern, legitimate approach toward relationship. And, and so... Uh, I, I just really believe that we can play both sides of that coin of I can pretend everything's okay, and you know what? I walk into church on Sunday morning, and I'm looking just like everybody else. It's it's all okay. Wait a minute. Uh, no, maybe not. I can I, If I can find a trusted friend, someone who really does care, what a difference you and I can make in a person's life when we... Uh, and, and you can smell authenticity. You can you can smell when someone is really uh, mm. uh, intimately uh, caring about who you are. Mm. Marcus, you talk about just going to church and even playing the games of pretend, right? And and now connecting it back to maybe where some married couples might be. I, I hear a lot, I've heard a lot of stories over the years working in churches and being a part of churches and actually having this happen to myself that it seemed like. There, there is never a better time to fight than on the way to church <laughs> as a married couple, and 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 then you have to and then you have to deal with the greeter at the door, right? That's like, hi, welcome. You're like, hi, yeah, God's good, and and yet you just had this row in the car, and is is a part of it because that you're coming sort of face if you're going to walk into a church environment, you're sort of having to come face to face with that's actually true about what's going on, and sometimes you might it might surface some things on the way to church. Well, I do think that the greedy of the door doesn't really have the time to take 10, 15 minutes. They've got got in three seconds somebody else to greet, you know. Mm -hmm. So I get that that may not be the place and the uh, uh, situation there where you want to share. But, yes, I think, by the way, I do think the enemy is at work in in the car right before people go to church because, you know, his his, uh, desire is to kill and destroy. And if if he can set you up in a bad mood for church (laughs) where you can't hear, you're not able to worship, uh, mission accomplished. So, and we need to be mindful of that as, 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 uh, in our relationship. Uh, it's not just our emotions. It's just not, uh, our intellect. There is a spiritual battle going on and in, in our relationships that are wanting to, um, really cause that kind of damage. So, um, I think I went all over the place with that. I like answer. that. I like mm-hmm. that answer. A smart, uh, listener named Joseph said, 
people are often ridiculed by others instead of receiving compassion. These responses have caused them to be more guarded and closed off. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. There's wisdom. Really true. Yeah. And, and, and that's really talking about, you know, who's safe in your life. And for some people, they have to recognize their parent is not safe or their spouse is not safe. And that's where it really needs to be a place of uh, I need to find then safe people. I can I can turn to whether again that's in in the realm of Christian counseling or just um, trusted friends so that I can share this is what's going on in my life uh, help me out here yeah but the, the safety uh, concern the safety issue who you can trust who you can be that vulnerable with mm-hmm. I, I would imagine for most people that number is pretty small yeah I, I I would yes I would say you know as much as I I brought up the question last time of how many couples pray together I'd like to know um, uh, who is your trusted friend yeah. uh, and 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 how many of those do you have you usually if, if someone has one that's fantastic or two that's that's pretty amazing mm-hmm typically uh, Men especially hold the cards real close and uh, don't allow that, those kind of relationships, those kind of questions, that kind of uh, uh, involvement in their life. Mm. Marcus, it, it occurred to me that we're swimming in sort of in the waters of individualism, meaning that we understand ourselves over this last couple hundred years in Western culture as being disconnected individuals that are pursuing our own sense of happiness, independent of one another. And I would think that that mitigates at least to some degree against the kind of friendships you're talking about, that when you head into a married situation, you you are saying, here's the deal. No matter what happens, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. And those vows actually create some space where you can enter into a trusted relationship. But we don't have a similar kind of thing for friendships, right? In our culture, we don't have a similar, like, I'm going to hang out with you until we're at death's door together. We just, I, I can't think of many friendships like that, that I've had in my own life. But once if you have that kind of boundary around the friendship said, I'm walking this out with you, regardless of what comes, I would think that would create the space of trust. But boy, it's tricky without that, it seems to me. Oh, isn't that true? I, I, I often wonder, even within a relationship like that, and when we're talking about prayer, how much uh, pursuit is there with a relationship like that in, right. in a prayerful um, you know, activity? Right. Uh, are, are, are we spending time? Uh, and, and the questions of... Uh, if we are being uh, separate in an individualistic way, uh, that's something we need to talk about. Uh, pray about and talk about so that uh, a person doesn't uh, uh, stay with uh, what is often uh, a world of their own. Mm. That is a dangerous place. That's where thoughts and emotions get caught up and you 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 have a real difficult time uh, having someone to be in check with. Yeah. You know, I want to go back to my only point I made earlier. <laughs> that was a very good point, well, I Bill. Tried. I, I tried. I, I, That's the only show prep I did for you, Marcus. <laughs> and I want to go back to that two sides of the coin. On one side is the emotion, on the other side is, is the yeah. cognitive. And it seems that when you're sometimes getting together with a friend, which is this wonderful time-honored tradition of having mm-hmm. friends that you live your life with and walk out life with together, that if a person has a complaint about uh, topic A and he gets together with his friend who also has a complaint about topic A, they might be meeting some of their emotional needs, patting each other on the back, going, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But <laughs> are, they, are they changing the game at all cognitively? Are they saying, here's mm. how we can do things differently? Mm. And sometimes that friendships can be wonderful because you're, 
you're kind of soothing and massaging a little bit, but you don't walk away with different thinking patterns. I think that's mm. why they come to you for counseling. Yeah, I do. And I, I, I do think a good friend or uh, in a situation like that, that, that has to be challenged. What, so so you're, I, I agree with you. I'm in sync with you. I can even relate to you. All of those things are actually very um, friendly, intimate, building relationship. But so what? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. really, so yeah. what? Yeah. And, and, and that actually can be a problem. And, and I'll just admit it uh, among uh, people who do go to counselors and you have a counselor that simply agrees with you, empathizes, which has value. Uh, a counselor that will say, uh, I, I relate to that, or I can share my part of my story with that, which they really shouldn't be doing too much with. But the point is, if there's no challenge to that thought, wait a minute, what are we going to do about that? Or does that line up with what God's plan is or his His purposes in your life? Then we've just kind of regurgitated each other's emotions and thoughts right. together mm. and haven't really accomplished that much. So I think there has to be uh, an objective, and 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 often that's what what a parent will do with a child because a parent is not to be their best friend. A parent is to be uh, friendly and caring as in a relationship and loving, but. Wait a minute. That's not a good idea. Hmm. And there will be a consequence for that, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to go to break, but I do have a question for Dr. Marcus Bachman about how your brain works. And so when we come back, we're going to discuss how your brain works. Dr. Marcus Bachman is my guest. You go to counselingcare.us to learn more about him and his amazing staff. We'll be right back. <laughs> I'm back with the prayer series. Dr. Peter Kafter and I are hosting Dr. Marcus Bachman today for part two. We're so enjoying this. Right before I went to break, I I said, I'm going to ask him a question about how your brain works. That was just a big tease, big teaser. <laughs> You're supposed to do that in radio. I'm trying yeah, to get yeah. better. You crushed it. Well, I don't you have did. a question, though, now. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it was a good tease. Wait, they're still on. They're still listening. Right, right. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> no, but my question is these neural pathways we, we have in our brains, and we have a way of thinking a certain way, all right? And we think the same way over and over and over, so yep. we're, we're like a train on a track, right? Yep. We can't get off that way of thinking. And then when it comes to prayer... Our, our pathways are still the same way. We're saying essentially the same words over and over all the mm. time. How do we expand our, intima- our intimacy with Christ in our prayer life? If How do we start cre- thinking more creatively? I, I would say that, first of all, if I have a teachable spirit, if I'm first and foremost interested in that as, as a concern, uh, I think, again, I think God brings us to a place of showing us just like he shows me in a counseling session what question or what statement I need to uh, ask. Uh, just like when uh, we're here in radio, uh, there, are, there are Holy Spirit kind of questions that a listener needs to have addressed. And so I believe that in prayer, rather than being stuck in the same old, same old, we are, we are uh, although I, I suppose there could be an argument about um, 
you know, the whole liturgical thing, doing things over and over. I, I think there is a place of saying the Lord's Prayer every night. Yeah. I mean, that's Love it. That's that's a, a repeat every night. And from my perspective, that's as rich as rich can be. I agree. Uh, but there also is a time of, Lord, show me, teach me. Who do I need to pray for? And and in what ways do I need to pray for them? And, and, and asking, well, ask, actually asking the person, how can I pray for you? Tell me how I can pray for you. And then I, if I need to write that down, I will remember that in my prayer life. So I think there's a lot of ways to expand how our prayer, rather, rather, prayers can be rather than getting into a, a bit of a rut. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the risk of uh, pretending I'm, I'm a neuroscientist, but my understanding is uh, it's Marcus is, Yeah, well, no, <laughs> there, there'd be a significant misunderstanding if that, if that was the case. But, but my understanding uh, in the very limited way, Marcus, is that our experiences in our lives do actually begin to sort of set brain patterns that can even be charted on a biological yeah. level on some, uh, to some degree. And so to Bill's point, that to not just get into a rut, to not just have one way, to not have this kind of fixed pattern in this rut uh, of our prayer life or our interactions with other people, it really takes sort of stepping back and thinking mm-hmm. more creatively, maybe doing something differently, just to set some different kind of patterns down so it doesn't get to be this sort of rote, repetitious, almost hollowed out kind of thing as opposed to maybe a more well-rounded, meaningful experience. Absolutely true. Uh, I, that's why I think, you know, the, the statement of having a, a 30,000 uh, from above view is, is a, an important factor here. And the only way that we do that is to get out of our, sometimes our, our situation and, and uh, take a look at it and, and, and ask God, give me a new perspective or, uh, Lord, what questions should I be asking mm-hmm. today of myself? And, um, but although the the, the 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 foundational questions of allow me to die to myself and allow you to live will typically open that that even if it's if it's done on a daily basis uh, is is a very strong foundational piece to it. Question came in, Marcus. Um, please ask Dr. Bachman if somebody is going through depression. Do you recommend any particular Bible verse to meditate on, as opposed to medication sometimes? Well, there's lots of Bible verses that a person can be reading and memorizing. But by the way, memorization of Scripture is very uh, helpful when it comes to um, someone's depression. I I think the balance, and I hope that uh, we have really come a long ways with understanding that there is value, can be value in medication. Mm -hmm. We don't want medication to be the first answer before we do an inventory and an understanding of what might be causing that depression. But if a a person's spiritual life is not right, if a person's physical life, if they've been eating too many ho-hos, if uh, they they need to be on some minerals or vitamins, that's an important, you know, the whole person. And um, yes, um, you know, understanding, I believe the, the biblical understanding of who am I in Christ is the best uh, approach toward lifting a depression. I think the understanding that I, I, I have value, I have worth, I am created in his image, I have been called, I have a purpose, I have a, there's a plan that God has for me. Well, just meditating, understanding those principles and the scriptures that go along with that will lift me in a place oftentimes. Uh, But if there's a biological cause, a reason for my depression, listen, I don't know how else to say this other than you can recite a lot of Bible verses, Mm. 
And that does not mean the depression will lift, guaranteed. If it's a biological reason, you better treat it also, also with uh, a medication, and that's uh, is uh, through a medical doctor or a psychiatrist. So it sounds like, Marcus, that you're advocating for a bit of a holistic approach here, the idea that in some cases a therapeutic might be necessary that can help sort of regulate maybe some of the, the chemical imbalances or the biology of it. Uh, also, some counseling can be very helpful. I would assume that those things, too, also create space to do the work of the spirit that might be involved in, in some of these cases as well. So it's a holistic approach that doesn't yield to any one thing, but maybe all of the, all of the above. That's right. And, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's an exciting adventure to say, you know what, I'm responsible for whatever is causing me, whether it's depression or any other problem in my life. Uh, this adventure is I, I need to be responsible and discover what that's about. Hmm. And so let me ask wise people. Let me get a second opinion. Uh, let me work on, on the different aspects. And maybe I'll start uh, that exercise program tonight, or maybe I'll start uh, uh, seeing that medical doctor. And whatever it is, uh, there's a there is the whole man approach of um, of of discovering what might be causing uh, my depression. Hmm. When you pray with your loved one, and you are in a difficult season of your relationship, can you pray specifically to say, "Lord, please bring an end to this conflict and the tear down the wall that's between us"? I mean, can you? Can you? Is this a wise way to pray? Uh, versus uh, uh, keep this conflict going, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't that way? Okay, okay. Indeed, yeah. No, serious, of course. <clears throat> you know, but but but, but, <laughs> but there is something to be said about uh, we're in this season for a while, and we, we the, if we keep focusing on let's get this over with. Uh, this problem has to end. P- part of the problem of doing that is, is people turn toward divorce more quickly right, because, right. because the, the, the problem hasn't gone away. And so if the problem has gone away, I think you need to go away. Well, that's not the answer. Uh, typically, uh, if there's abuse or there's, you know, uh, an affair of some sort, you know, I, I, I know that people use those as the prin- principles of, of why there can be a allotment for d- divorce. But I, I think God is in the reconciliation business. I think that mm-hmm. he is in the forgiveness business. And I, I, I do believe that we have to do some really internal, uh, the, the introspection of, okay, Lord, what are you teaching me through all of this versus Letting uh, letting the focus be when is this problem going to be over with? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so in some ways, maybe the answer is that this problem needs to continue for a while until the work is done in my life. Yeah, because the problem often just reveals some. That that's the invitation of the problem, right? Is it reveals where the disorder is. And I can think about those times I prayed that prayer about bringing an end somehow or <laughs> revealing something in the conflict. It seemed to kind of rebound my direction in those uh, in those moments, Marcus. I don't know if you find the same thing. Yes, indeed. <laughs> that's a good point. It's always um, uh, good to encourage people uh, during the prayer hour to be praying. I know there's been some requests for uh, prayer, and I will be taking these prayers tonight and praying on behalf of some of the listeners that have uh, written in during this hour. And we always want to take full advantage of of uh, this opportunity to be mindful of people who have things on their uh, request plate. I know myself, I've got several people in my life right now that are really at a, a critical point 
that, mm-hmm. that need mm. the outpouring of God's grace uh, in their life. And you feel desperate for God, which is not a bad way to feel ever mm. for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm desperate for God every day. Mm-hmm. I come in here and I'm desperate for God. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a good place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think that there there gets to be in that desperation a comfortable humility too. There, that I think the pathway to to freedom and to, and to change and some of the things we've been talking about, Marcus, too, just the idea that our emotions come in alignment with the kingdom and that our thought life comes in alignment with the kingdom. So much of the starting point of that process is that comfortable humility that mm. says, you know what, it, it's a posture of humility that says, I really don't have it all together. And, and in that humility, then where I am weak, to use the language of scripture, you, be, you become God strong in, in those places. And I think that's really the invitation there. I think humility allows us to, to be able to hear God yeah. and to understand uh, his voice better. Because mm-hmm. we're not in the way. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not, we, we don't have an agenda. Uh, we have an understanding that, uh, Lord, this is, uh, I, I, I'm yours. And that really opens up the doors for powerful change in our life through mm. prayer. Mm. Mm. Thank you very much, uh, Marcus, for being here. You're welcome. Nice to have you back. It's great. And Peter, always a pleasure. Fun. Incredible stuff it's, again for Marcus. Yes. Yeah, it's terrific. Terrific. And if you go to counselingcare.us, counselingcare.us, you can learn more about Marcus and his team and the services they provide. And you can request an appointment if you would so desire. Thank you so much for listening to the show today and supporting Faith Radio. You know that I am so appreciative that you tune in and that you care about us and that you support us and that you pray for us. And it just the support means the world to us. Have a good night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.